As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I can say with 100% confidence that 80% of the success is attributed to mindset and the 20 is really the mechanics or the, the blueprint for how to do the deal. First, a quick word from our best ever partner, PropStream. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties in seconds, nationwide or specific to any zip code. You can skip trace owner information, find cash buyers specific to an area, and find other investors to potentially partner with or fund your deals. PropStream provides you the comprehensive data and market insight you need to be at the top of your real estate game. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail. Even if you're not in real estate, PropStream can help you locate high net worth individuals to invest in your non-real estate business. Or if you are in real estate, then you can find them to invest in your real estate business. You can use this tool to find people who have millions of dollars in equity in their homes and you can reach out to them via email, telephone, or snail mail. This is the perfect real estate investing tool for wholesalers and real estate agents, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs. I love how easy the PropStream website is to use. With a few clicks, you can review comps in the area or estimate rehab costs prior to purchasing a property. Act now to take advantage of the plethora of properties that have and will continue to hit the market during this time. And best ever listeners, do you know we got something special for you? You're going to receive a free seven-day all-access trial to experience all the features this powerful tool has, and you'll experience it firsthand. Just go to your7dayfreetrial.com. That's Y-O-U-R, the number seven, dayfreetrial.com. Get started with this. Get your seven-day free trial and start growing your business even more so than you have been. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever we don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, David Onanian. How you doing, David? What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. 
Well, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation and you know the drill then, you know how we approach these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to dive into it. A little bit about David. He's the founder of Transform St. Louis LLC. He's a full-time investor and agent. He's got three years of real estate investing experience and seven years as an agent. His portfolio consists of 12 properties using the Burr method and flipping three to four properties a year based in St. Louis. So with that being said, David, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, Joe. So like so many of us, I was raised in a middle-class family and told that I needed to go to college and get a job working for somebody else. So that's what I did. Got my degree in computer science and became a software engineer at a big corporate company. Started climbing the corporate ladder there, spent about 10 years before I realized I was miserable. And uh, kind of the scariest part of that was I didn't know why. I had a great job where I could work from home and I was making six figures a year, beautiful family, new vehicles, a new house, lake house, boat, everything you could ever imagine. But I wasn't happy and I had to do some soul searching to find out that I was actually caught up in the rat race and I didn't even know it. And so I had financed everything. So every time I got a raise, we went out and bought something nicer for our family. And before you knew it, um, at the end of my career there, the paycheck would come in on one day and the, the very next day, all of the direct deposit that I got from my corporate <laughs> job was gone to pay all these bills. And it was absolutely miserable feeling that I was going to have to stay in my job for the next 30 years before I could retire and do something that I wanted to enjoy doing. What was the epiphany that took place? So I had got my real estate license kind of on the side back in 2013 because I had kind of had a miserable experience with buying my first home to live in. I had to learn how to become the agent myself. My realtor was so bad. So then when I started hearing about family and friends buying and selling their houses, I was like, well, might as well get my license to help them on the side. So that was part of it. But I had my real estate license for four years before I decided to become an investor. Mm -hmm. And most of that time, I didn't know I had all of these false beliefs about investing. It had never even crossed my mind of the possibility that I could invest in real estate, especially now that I was licensed and now in the industry. The one thing that came to mind was one of my good friends from college approached me and he wanted to buy his first investment property. And it was this little $35,000 single family home near the airport here in St. Louis. And I told him he was out of his mind. I told him he was crazy. You're going to lose money. You're going to get called to fix the toilet in the middle of the night. And it's going to be absolutely miserable. I don't know what you're doing. And here I am years later thinking I was worried about trying to figure out how to fix a toilet but at my corporate job, I'm debugging thousands of lines of computer code and fixing all these problems. It's like that problem seems a lot easier to solve, but I wasn't in the right frame years and years ago. But I saw him execute the steal. He did the Burr method to a T. He put about five to $7,000 into this property. It appraised for $5,000. 75? Yeah. This was a grand slam in the terms of a Burr deal. And he pulled out a 75% loan to value refinance. So got all of his money back plus some. And then he had this thing rented. It was a three bedroom house. He had three girls going to the university here in Umsol move into the property. And they wanted to pay the rent six months in advance. So he hears from him twice a year. He gets $1,000 a month. And I think his mortgage payment on that $50,000 loan is something like 
250 or 300 hours a month. Yeah. I saw that happen. I was like, holy cow, I got to get out and do this myself because this is the way out. Wow. That is a textbook case study of Burr method. So you had your full-time job as a software engineer and you kept getting the raises, but then the income kept going out the door because of the direct deposits. What was the conversation like with your family members whenever you're like, okay, now I want to pursue real estate? Was there pushback? And if so, how do you navigate that? Oh my gosh, yes. So you got to understand that if you're not investing in real estate, you're probably not hanging around anyone that invests in real estate either. So that was a completely foreign topic. That's an interesting observation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So it was a completely foreign topic to anybody in my family. None of my friends, except for the one friend that I told you about. So everybody that I tell about all these, it took me about, I want to say eight or nine months before that epiphany happened. And then I bought my first deal. And during this time, I'm like telling everybody about my plan. Oh, I'm going to start investing in real estate. And not one person was, that's a good idea. They said, you're crazy. Just like I told my friend when he bought his first deal. You were just repeating the party line that you've been told many times. (laughs) Yep. Mm. Okay. Were you married at the time? Yes. Okay. So how did you have that conversation with your significant other? That was kind of just by repetition. So during this eight or nine months where I'm gearing up to buy my first investment deal, I am just going crazy with listening to podcasts. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts we're listening to, your show, Bigger Pockets, any other show you could possibly think of. I'm reading all these books because I heard on all the podcasts, the investors are saying that Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the inspiration. Like Mm -hmm. literally 99% of everybody said that book. And I wasn't even a reader at the time. I hadn't read a book since I had been required to in college. And I was like, well, I better get this book because everybody said they read it. And I read that book. And then what that did for me was just got me addicted to reading. And so I started reading books and consuming audible books about this and just trying to learn investing, learn personal growth, all that stuff over these eight or nine months. And what happened was every night I would come home from work and I would spill all this new stuff that I learned about to my significant other. Mm -hmm. And of course, eight or nine months of this goes by and she's like, will you just go ahead and buy your first investment deal? (laughs) You just wore down. So that's kind of how it happened. (laughs) When you look at the deals that you've done, your portfolio consists of 12 properties within a three-year span. How do you do 12 properties using the Burr method within three years? Really, this was done very easily. So I had a full-time job that was at least 40 hours a week. I've got young children at home. So there's not a whole lot of extra time. What was beneficial to me is that I had the ability to work from home. So I could swivel chair from one laptop to another to do something on the real estate side. And usually when you're acquiring a rental property, the stuff that you have to do is like five minute tasks. Unless you're the one over there rehabbing it and stuff like that, you can outsource pretty much everything and just be the manager of the investment. So it really wasn't that large of a time commitment to acquire that many units in the time that I did. So let's talk specifics for some deals. What was your first one? 
first one was the only one I lost money on. It was an absolute nightmare. So you listen to all the podcasts, you read all the books, and you know enough to be dangerous. Let's say that. So I went into this deal. It was property that I found on Craigslist from a wholesaler. It's a single family home here in St. Louis. And the wholesaler was telling me that it was a $20,000 rehab to make it rent ready. So this was going to be my first deal. I was going to do the Burr method. All the numbers checked out. I went to the house, never had estimated a rehab before, mm -hmm. but I read some books. I looked up some stuff online. <laughs> I knew enough. So I went in, I said, you know what? I think that's a little low. I think I'm going to go at 25. Okay. Yeah. You want to cushion it, right? You want to be super conservative. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Over the next six months, this deal became an absolute nightmare. Ended up putting close to $50,000 into the property. Mm -hmm. I made the mistake of using all of my own cash to finance this deal. My spouse and I had a savings account with 10 years worth of savings in it. And literally every dollar was into this property. And, and I remember at the end of this time that we held the property, it was like, if anything else goes wrong, I don't know how we're going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. It was getting really scary. Luckily, we were able to get it sold, take a small loss on it and get most of our capital back. But it was one of those things where you, in the moment, you're like, what the heck is going on? Why did I do this? How did this happen? But then looking back on it, I basically got my PhD and rehabbing a property because I learned every single thing that could possibly go wrong on this property. So it was well worth the education, I guess. And it's certainly well worth you sharing that story because anyone listening doesn't have to go over their budget 25000 or so because you're telling the story. So appreciate that. What specifically in the budget was not accurate that you initially projected? So one of the big problems with this house was all the utilities were off and it was vacant and it had been vacant for years. I want to say at least two or three years. So I had the property inspected by a home inspector and I've used this particular home inspector dozens and dozens of times as an agent. He's awesome. He usually covers everything. But one thing that I didn't put together was because the utilities were off, there was no water, electric. He really couldn't test a whole lot of stuff. So when we got all the utilities turned on after closing on this property, all of the plumbing was shot. Mm. Like every single pipe had to be replaced. Even the sewer lateral underneath the foundation of the house, we had to go end to end, dig up the entire foundation, replace the sewer lateral. That's like an eight, nine, ten thousand dollar job there. The bathrooms weren't to code, so that added more expense. None of the outlets were to code. The wiring was off. We needed new electric panels, raise the service wire. He got on the roof. Luckily, we were able to save the roof. But then when somebody was purchasing it, they had an inspection and their inspector said that the roof needed all these repairs. So we ended up putting a couple thousand dollars into the roof as well. One of the other big ones was the foundation. So they had a finished basement with paneling in the basement. Little did I know that the foundation behind it was crashing into the house. So that was a big surprise. And I remember the day I was at the property when we figured this out because my contractor was down there. I think there's some kind of pipe behind the paneling that they had to get to. So I wouldn't have never known about this unless they had to get to this particular pipe. So we took down the paneling and the whole wall was just 
leaning in and had all these cracks in it. And I decided to call a foundation contractor out to estimate it. And the first guy that got there said it was going to cost $15,000 to Mm. fix. And I literally broke down and cried when he left. It was the low point of this Mm -hmm. rehab and I'm sitting there in my house and I called my one buddy that you bought that first property and I'm telling him what happened. And he's like, just get two more bids, Dave, get two more bids. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) And uh, so I get the next bid and the next bid is $10,000 to fix the wall. Get five more bids. I like it. Yeah. I was like, keep getting them. (laughs) Eventually they'll Uh, pay you. Yeah. So long story short, the third bid came back at $6,000 and we signed off and gave a warranty to the buyer. And so it was perfect. And so I was able to stomach that number a little bit better. Oh man. Some of the things you mentioned, I totally get, it was vacant. So utilities are off. So when you turned them on, all hell broke loose. And some of the stuff I'm wondering from your initial inspection, and I get this is your first deal. So there's a, a PhD, as you mentioned, But as far as wiring and not being the code, and this is where I need to be educated, were you not able to tell, or not you, but your inspector, not able to tell that it wasn't to code without having the utilities on? I think one of the things he was able to tell is that service wire was too low. So that was one. But what we didn't know is when we turned on the panel, all of the outlets were not grounded properly. Mm. So now we had to pull electrical permits to swap out all the outlets. And I think we put two prong outlets on there to make sure so that we didn't have to run ground wires to them. Okay. Got it. So that was your first deal. The only deal you lost money on. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. How much you lose? It was five or $6,000. Five or $6,000. But yet you did it again. (laughs) Uh, You did another deal, I should say. Right. Uh, Yeah. What was the conversation like with people who are closest to you after you told them, if you did tell them that you lost money on this first one, but you know what? I'm doing it again. You know what? It's kind of interesting because before we were actually done with this first deal, we went under contract with the next property. And that one was a home run, much like um, the the example that I gave you from my friend of mine. Really wasn't public about this mm-hmm. back then because it was almost what about your wife when you talk to her and you're like, "Ah, oh, we just lost money, but you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and put this other property under contract because I want to double down on this strategy." Yeah, now it was a different animal because. I really give credit to listening to shows like yours because you hear time after time investors say that you've got to be persistent and you've got to learn from failure and fail forward. So even going into this first deal, I had that mindset and there was a bigger why that was powering this, that one deal, no matter how much I lost on it, was not going to stop me from being successful at this and getting out of my corporate job Mm -hmm. because that was the ultimate goal for this. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second deal quickly, what are the numbers on it? You said it was a home run. Yeah. So this was a $60,000 property that we put about 5,000 in to make rent ready, appraised for $99,000 and then rented for 1050 a month. Wow. Yeah. And you still have that property? Yes. I know when I introduced you, I said, because it was in your bio that you flip three to four properties a year. So how do you determine which ones you're going to flip and which ones you're going to hold? Sure, sure. So real quick, what's nice is when you learn how to rehab a property once, 
it's fairly easy to do it over and over again. So after learning on that first deal, it was a complete nightmare. Now, at least we knew how to rehab a property successfully, what could go wrong and what's going to go into it. But to get to your question here, when you're looking for these rental deals, a lot of times the property is too expensive to cash flow as a rental. So if you're talking like a nicer area, like an A or B neighborhood sometimes is not going to cash flow very well as a rental property just because the property values are too high. But as you come across these, if you know how to rehab houses, now they can be fix and flips for you. And so that's where we we don't let anything kind of fall through the cracks just because we can't add it as a rental. Let's, Let's see if we can make this work as a flip. Besides the first deal, what's been the most challenging property? The most challenging property, man, besides the first one, I guess it was another property that I bought that was sight unseen. Mm-hmm. I bought this one off the MLS. It was listed for like $37,000. It was a section eight tenant paying $708 a month, I believe. And it was under lease for a year. I think it was a new one year lease at the time that I bought it. So picked it up and was like easily that I think this property could appraise for higher. We got it appraised at the six month mark. Cause that's when you can finance using a conventional loan that mm-hmm. isn't going to go off a new appraisal. So you do the new appraisal. I did nothing to this house, but maybe a little bit of landscaping and paint on the outside, some curb appeal. And it appraised for, I think $59,000. Wow. Um, so instantly had some equity in it. The problem that became is when that lease came up. So lease came up, tenant decided to vacate the property at that time. And now I'm into the property. And I had been in there once or twice after going under contract, but I knew it was in a little rougher shape, but it wasn't to the point where I was going to back out and kind of lose my rapport with this agent that I was working with. And We got into the property after she got out and it was another foundation problem downstairs. Mm. It had basically the foundation walls were turning to dirt and they were kind of deteriorating. And so we had to do some pretty extensive foundation work on that property. But that all said, the the deal still cash flows. So it's still a win and we still have equity in it. How much was the foundation work? That was $10,000. Why did you buy it sight unseen? I thought the numbers looked good. So $37,000 property in a probably a B minus C plus area that's running at 708. I always look at the 1% rule. So if I can buy it for 37, can it rent for more than 1% of that a month, which this is almost double that. So it's almost at that 2% rule. So that's kind of what I was looking at. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever is to not forget the mindset component of this. Before I got started in investing, if somebody would ask me how much mindset had to do with being a successful investor, I would have said maybe 5% of the equation. And today, after doing dozens of deals and helping other people as their agent get started in in investing, I can say with 100% confidence that 80% of the success is attributed to mindset and the 20 is really the mechanics or the the blueprint for how to do the deal. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties, locate potential investors, or gain invaluable market insight in seconds. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail, which will help you close more deals with less stress. Visit your7dayfreetrial.com to start your free trial and experience all the amazing features PropStream has to offer. That's your, the number seven, dayfreetrial.com. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever book you recently read? Best ever book I recently read. I'm going to have to take this back to the Bible, Joe, because I've been consuming so many books. And when you look at the messages in all these different business books and all these different life books, it's so easy to take that message and say, you can find that in the Holy Bible. So now I really like to, I've got an app on my phone where I can search for answers on there. And so that's something that I've gotten into heavily recently. What's the best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about already? I'd say it's a four family that we acquired off market. So this is a property that on paper cash flow is about $200 a door, but we were able to take heavy depreciation on it to make all that income essentially tax-free. So we did something called a cost segregation study on it. Mm -hmm. And last year, that alone was responsible for a $33,000 write-off on a property that gets nine or $10,000 a month in cash flow. So now that that's all tax-free cash flow or deferred cash flow, which long-term the plan is to just 1031 the property into something larger and keep trading up. So ultimately that's probably the best ever. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? Through big brothers, big sisters. I'm a big brother myself and I'm super, super passionate. I believe everyone is one mentor away from greatness And there's so many kids out there that don't have it as good as we do. We're on here listening to this podcast or talking on this podcast. There's all these kids on these waiting lists at Big Brothers Big Sisters that have called out for help. And in many communities like my own, they're just waiting because there's not enough people to step up to be a mentor for them. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, you can get a hold of me at agentdavido.com or follow me on social media at Agent David O. David, thanks for talking about the Burr method that you did on specific properties, how you got into it or why you got into it, how you thought about it, so the mindset, and then deal-specific stuff and some things to look out for for us when we enter into deals like this. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. It's been great. Appreciate it.